0: Hi everybody, welcome to Two of the First for today, November the 16th, 2022. I am Ryan Balaji. We are presented by our friends at French Lake Resort in French Lake, Indiana. We have two stories for you today, as the name of the show implies. A lot of it coming out of the DP World Tour Championship in Dubai this week. couple of news conferences from the two top-ranked players in the field, John Rahm and Rory McIlroy, guys who have won this tournament each twice uh, in the last decade or so. And so they have uh, some, some pretty big clout, obviously, in the game. They have been... In different ways, public voices in opposition to live. Rom a little bit more gentle. McElroy a little bit more incendiary. Somewhere in between. And we'll talk about McElroy's comments about Greg Norman at the back end of the show. I don't want to necessarily lead with that today. But I do want to talk about an interesting difference of opinion, I think, between McElroy and Rom about the new official World Golf Ranking. Now, for a lot of people, the official World Golf Ranking doesn't really mean a whole lot. But until it changes... Until the majors decide they want to do things differently. Being in the top 50 and top 60 in the official World Golf Ranking means a lot. It gets you into the Masters if you're in the top 50 at the end of the year or just before the Masters. It effectively gets you into the PGA Championship. Although they have a separate system and they're trying to invite the top 100. But effectively gets you into it. And for the US Open, being in the top 60 definitely gets you in to their championship. So... Being in that that watermark level, that top 50, top 60 range in the OWGR matters. So the calculation matters. How you earn points matters. All all those things matter to players who are on the fringes of the top 50, top 60. Players who are in the top 20 or better, you're not worried about it. And and frankly, the change in the system isn't going to mean probably too much to you. The odds are you're a major champion or you've qualified in some other fashion to get into the majors. And and you really don't have to worry about the, the permutations of the new system. But the system changed, and it was unveiled in August. And a lot of players are not happy about it. And they're not happy about it because the top players seem to be penalized to a degree based on the new ranking formula compared to the way it used to work. What also seems to be working in the favor of other players, of lesser players, lesser ranked players, is that there is more value now attached to full field events. The more bodies in a field, frankly, the better it is for your tournament ranking. And those are kind of the two biggest key changes. But all this centers around the notion of strokes gained world ranking. So what kind of strokes gained player are you? What do you bring to a field? And that's kind of your influence on a tournament rating. The more bodies there are, frankly, the more decent bodies there are, it's iterative. It helps your ranking. So this week we've got two tournaments that on the men's side, we've got, The DP World Tour Championship in Dubai with 50 players with a much more top-heavy field. And you've got, you know, Rom, Fitzpatrick, McElroy, Hovland, Lowry, Hatton, Fleetwood, Fox, going on the line. And then you've got the RSM Classic on the PJ Tour, 156-player field. But you do not have a player inside the top 25 in the world in the ranking. Now, you've got a bunch of players who are in the top 50 and not as many as the DP World Tour Championship, but a fair number. But the ranking points this week for th- this event, for the RSM Classic, will get them about 38, 39 points. And that's substantially better than what the DP World Tour is going to be all- able to offer for a tournament that, at least at the top, has a better field. So there's been some pushback from McElroy and and Uh, or excuse me, Rom and other players who are like, hey, what's the deal? This week, we have a better feel because they're thinking about it from the top, right? They're thinking about the best players are the hardest to beat, so they should be worth a lot. But the winner of the DP World Tour Championship is going to get 21.8 world ranking points. The winner of the RSM is now, with Tony Finau gone, going to get 38.4, just about 38.4. So that doesn't seem to line up. Right, because you've got a better top heavy portion of the field in Dubai compared to the RSM, which has 156 players. So questions were put to McElroy and Rom. McElroy went yesterday, Rom went today. Uh the interesting thing is Rom was presented lifetime membership, honorary lifetime membership of the DP World Tour, and then just goes in on the world ranking toward the tail end of it. But it's it's an interesting answer because it's his perspective of being a guy who's a major winner, top player in the world, guy who's been number one in the world, compared to a guy like McElroy, who maybe has got a different point of view about it, taking the longer view of things. So, Rams asked, Hey, we're in the early stages of reworking the OWGR. The immediate perception is that the DP World Tour has been adversely affected as a result. That's true. We'll get to that. I just wonder what your take is on that and whether you feel the tour is being treated correctly. Rom says, I'm going to read you the whole thing because uh, it's, it's interesting. I'm going to be as blunt as I can. I think the OWGR right now is laughable, laughable, laughable. The fact that the RSM doesn't have any of the top 20 in the world has more points in this event where we have seven of the top 20 is laughable. The fact that Wentworth had less points than Napa, the Fortnite championship, having players in the top 10 of the world is laughable. I understand what they're trying to do with the depth of field. That having the best players in the world automatically makes the tournament better. I don't care what their system says. I think they have made a mistake. I think some aspects of it might be beneficial. But I think they have devalued the value of the better players. For example, you have the best 30 players. 30 best players of the year should not be punished because it's a smaller field. Depth of field doesn't mean a better tournament. I could go on and on. I think they have missed the mark on that stance quite a bit. Now... There's some interesting things here said in the context of live, particularly the back end, that last paragraph of Rom's answer where he says depth of field doesn't mean better tournament. And, and what he's trying to say is just because you have a, a lot more players, a lot more high skilled players, doesn't make it better. And that's kind of how the OWGR used to view it. If you weren't ranked in the top 200 in the world. You could have been anybody. It didn't matter. You didn't matter to the field rating. You had to be a top 200 player to add points to what's called strength of field that they use to determine who, how many, who, what first place got, and how many players got points. It doesn't work that way now. Now, basically, if you make the kind of the PGA Tour, you're going to get some points. You won't get shut out even if you make the the weekend. However, they have taken the value of each player, particularly a top player down to a degree. They've kind of leveled it out. They've kind of compressed the difference between best and not so great. And they have made it such that it is more beneficial to your ranking to have more players in your field than more good players. Let's call them top 50 players in your field. And we're seeing that contrast this week. So it didn't used to be that way. It would have been flipped. You would have had more points... Going to the DP World Tour Championship, something like double what they're getting, more like 42, 44 points, based on what they have for the field this year, and the RSM would have been in, you know, the third, you know, thirty range, thirty-two range, thirty-six range, maybe, somewhere there, but less. So you have it flipped, and by a substantial margin. I mean, it's not like it's they're trading numbers, and there's an eight-point difference. There's a thirty-eight to twenty-two difference. I mean that that's that's pretty substantial in the world golf ranking. And I think Rom has a point. And then you contrast that with Rory McIlroy, who was asked about the world ranking. And he said he would like to see really some more time about it. So he was asked about the, his involvement with the world ranking decision and what he thinks about the product. Now that we've got uh, a DP world tour championship, that is the, what is hypothetically one of the flagship events of the European tour and then you've got the RSM Classic. Now, I said flagship event. Flagship event usually actually used to actually mean something to the official World Golf Ranking. You, on each tour recognized by the, the World Ranking, could declare a flagship event. And that event got a guaranteed number, a negotiated guaranteed number of points for first place. That used to be the BMW PGA Championship. And the winner used to get a guaranteed 60 points, which was a big deal. The players used to be the flagship event of the PGA Tour. That used to get 80 points. Well, that's going to change. You're still going to have the majors in 100, but you don't have the flagship event for each tour now, and that has negatively affected the, the DP World Tour. So has the elimination of the floor. There used to be a floor for tournaments where you, I think it was 18 points to the winner of the DP World Tour. It's no longer the case. You have a weak event. There's not 18 points to the winner. It could be 10, 12, 14, whatever that is, but there's no floor anymore. That has dramatically affected the DP World Tour. It's also affected the Asian Tour, by the way, in a a different sense, but it has affected that Tour because they don't have a floor either, and that can fall through the floor. So McElroy was asked this question on Tuesday, and he says, so when you look at the two different fields, you've got a 50-man field here versus a 144 Manfield there. He's wrong with that. It's 156. So just in terms of how the strengths of field is calculated, they have 90 more players to contribute to their strength of field. The reason that this has got 21 points and the RSM has got 39 is the person that wins the RSM has to beat 139 other guys. Again, not doing the math right, but follow me here. You only have to beat 49 other guys here. It's a much fairer system. I think it rewards people pure numbers. Strength of field has not hurt people's feelings. Has it upset people? Yes, because people have been used to getting a certain amount of world ranking points in one event, and now it's dropped. And we saw that, to, to interject, we saw that too in the in the tour championship. Last year, the tour championship winner outside of starting strokes got something like 64 points. This year was like 38. And one of the big reasons for that is the change in the system, compression of the value of a player to the field, and that there weren't a lot of bodies in the field. So that has changed some things. It has negatively affected the tour in its limited field events, which is a great argument to not have limited fields for the elevated events. But I digress. Rory comes back and says, I would say those events were getting more than they should be. I think it's the fairest system that you can come up with right now. And a lot of work went into that. Five years of algorithms and analysis and work went on into the system. So it's not as if it changed overnight. All true. A lot has went into it. It's the best one that we can come up with right now, and I think that it will take a while. It will take another 18 months for it to play out because everyone gets two years in the rolling system. Also true. As it's being rolled out, there's a little bit of discrepancy, but once we get two years into it and have the minimum divisor in all the events, I think you'll see a fairer reflection of where everyone is ranked in the world that is eligible. And I, I think that longer-term view is warranted, right? We, we've only had this for a few months, and unfortunately, the reality is the OWGR couldn't backfill the system. They couldn't go back and say, well, here's what the system would look like over the last rolling two years had we done it the strokes gained way. Or, or maybe they could have. Maybe they could have blown the whole thing up, but they chose not to. And so they've got two systems working at once, and the new one is slowly eliminating the old one. And so the you gain full... All the machinations of how you earn points... How long they last, how long it takes to deprecate over a rolling two year period, all that stuff is the same. It's just the points that you get are different. So it's going to take time because we've only done this since August, August, September, October. We haven't, we've barely done to the 13 week mark where you start to lose points that you earned in the new system if you've played since the new system started. So at the same time, you're losing old points as well. So it, it will take some time for it to, to kind of hash itself out. But I do think McIlroy has some points here. One, you have less top heaviness to it because you have kind of changed the value of a ranking. So you're, you're kind of forcing guys closer together in the ranking, which one, I think, in a sense, I, I, I don't necessarily like that because you can move up pretty dramatically if you go on a run. However, does that mean that defies the face of the two-year system? And I've had this conversation about the official World Golf Ranking so many times over the years. It's hard to build a perfect system. But if you're saying every player is worth something to the field, then shouldn't they have an opportunity to earn points? That makes sense from a lower-end piece of it. And so you have to look at the distribution mechanism, too, which is the same regardless of of what tournament you're playing in. So, you know, first gets a certain percentage of points, second gets a certain percentage, third, certain percentage. And that's the same, whether you're playing the DP world tour this week at a 50 player field, or on the PGA tour in 156 player field. And so you've got these, these differences where for a not so great player, it would be more beneficial to probably go play the DP world tour for a better player. It would be perhaps more beneficial to go play on the PGA tour. So it, It's going to take some time for it all to work itself out. It's not necessarily something that has to be blown up right away. Yes, it does negatively affect the DP World Tour week to week because the guarantees are gone. Same for the Asian Tour. Guarantees are gone. Corn Fairy Tour. Guarantees are gone. However, in the longer haul, I think it is a fairer system. The one thing I would like to see changed is how points are distributed based on field size. So... Yes, every player makes the cut in a PGA Tour event can get points if it's a full field event. You know, if it's 144, 32, 144, 156. But if it's 120 or 100, no, I don't think so. Because you only had to beat, you know, whatever number of players to get to the weekend, relatively speaking. So I I think if we accommodate that and change distribution based on field size, we could have something about as good as we're going to get it. And I would like to see that come along no guarantees, of course, but uh, I have talked about this uh, plenty of times over the years with the folks of the World Golf Ranking, and I think they're in tune with it. I think they're willing to listen, but they also kind of want to get this thing off the ground, see what it looks like in, in action, and then maybe make some alterations. So that may be a year down the line, but I, I do think they will make some changes eventually. Now, second story today is one we could have gotten to yesterday. There's a lot of crazy stuff happening. Just didn't get to do the show. Um, so... In the same interview, Rory McIlroy is talking about the official world golf ranking. That's the last question of the interview, by the way, which is a really geeky way to end things. But, <laughs> but if man, it I mean the the takeaway inter- from the interview is that, that so many people were running with yesterday is that Greg Norman's got to go. You know, McIlroy was kind of asked about the va- the basically live and what could happen and. Could there be any peace with with Liv? What does that look like? Could Monaghan and Norman sit down and come up with something? And putting aside whether Norman and the Saudis actually want to do that, I I don't think they really want to at this point. And whether Monaghan wants to, I definitely think he doesn't want to. It wouldn't be in his interest whatsoever. So you've got two guys who really probably aren't interested in working together. But this puts an interesting question to McElroy, who's obviously been one of the vocal people talking about this on behalf of PGA Tour, DP World Tour to a degree, some players to a degree, at least on the PGA Tour side of things, DP World Tour side of things. And so McElroy kind of says, okay, well, and he's made overtures in the last few months that you want the infighting to end. He wants, it can't go on forever. It will be bad. There has to be some kind of end of escalation, de-escalation even at some point. But McElroy says, I think there's a few things that need to happen. So there's obviously two lawsuits going on at the minute. There's PJ Tour versus Live, and there's this one that's coming up with the DP World Tour in February. So we have two lawsuits right now McElroy's describing. One, we know about PJ Tour versus Live with the, the 11 Live players. Most of them are now out. Live's the lead. Plaintiff, basically with a couple of players against the PJ Tour, looking for an injunction and some kind of relief related to anti-competitive practices. That's going to go to 2024 if it goes to trial. And then this other one, which relates to the DP World Tour, trying to put sanctions against live players specifically for the Genesis Scottish Open last July. Arbitration court came in and said, no, you can't do that. These players can play and they can play on the DP World Tour pending uh, a bigger hearing on that. That's in February 2023. So he's saying those two things have to to be resolved first. Um, But until then, nothing's going to change. So those two things have to go away, whether that means withdrawing them, whether that means settling them, both, whatever. And then he goes on and says, and then I think from whatever happens with those two things, there's a few things I would like to see on the live side that need to happen. I think Greg needs to go. I think he needs to exit stage left. He's made his mark, but I think now is the right time to sort of say, look, you've got this thing off the ground, but no one's going to talk unless there's an adult in the room that can actually try to mend fences. And if those two things happen, then things can happen. But right now it's a stalemate because there can't be any other way. Hopefully something can happen. Who knows? But right now, I think the separate entities, the PJ Tour, European Tour, and live are both going to be one. It is a very different product to the other. And they're just going to keep going whether something happens and whether that's in the hand of a court or a judge or something else happens along the way. No one really knows. But right now, it seems like a bit of a stalemate. And so the takeaway is, hey, you know, Rory's calling out Live, set free, which you've created, and maybe we can kind of come to to the table here. And I think it goes back to a discussion we've had on a prior show about what Greg Norman actually means to Live as the CEO, because he's been in this role for well over basically a year at this point, trying to get players, trying to put it all together behind the scenes, then obviously being very public face of this. And it seems more than anything, he's either one of two things. He's either a figurehead that really isn't doing the job of a CEO. He's just kind of public face, distraction, provocateur, slash recruiter. Or he is a legitimate CEO, has a lot of say, and really isn't willing to come to the table in a way that might get live into the bigger golf ecosystem in a way it's not right now. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've had that debate before and I've talked about that. I think Norman has more autonomy than perhaps some other people think. I I don't think he's just there to be there. I also don't think he's sitting there negotiating TV deals. I don't think he's sitting there necessarily negotiating contracts. So maybe somewhere in between. Maybe, maybe he's got some autonomy on the, the day-to-day run of the tour, trying to listen to players, trying to do things. But he's also kind of lead man, hype man, make guys feel better, lie to them about world ranking points and not being suspended by the PGA tour. I, again, I don't know that Norman leaving makes things any better for live from a negotiation standpoint outside of the PGA tour, right? Going to Fox sports to try to get a television deal, going to potential franchise owner, folks, investors in these individual teams. I don't think that makes it necessarily any better. The business side of it doesn't really get any better. However, I think McElroy has a point about if Norman exits and let's say is replaced with Mark King, who is the rumored name, the former uh, TaylorMade executive, former Adidas executive, current Taco Bell executive. If he comes in, will he be maybe a little bit more level-headed in terms of public commentary and private negotiation about trying to figure out how the PGA Tour and its kind of representation body can live with live, so to speak. I but again, I'm not convinced that that's going to be helpful. Even if Mark King is a rational actor, and he is a rational actor, he has some strange ideas, but and has presented them as such to the golf community. But he's a pretty rational actor. He's done a pretty good job in building up and kind of landing businesses to a degree. So, I don't think that he would be beyond sitting in a room and talking about things. But, frankly, and this goes to the the reality of things, it's not in Liv's interest to capitulate to the PGA Tour. And neither is in the PGA Tours to capitulate to Live, Because if the PGA Tour says, oh, our players can go play Live events and they can come back to the PGA Tour, well, that, that props up Live, which I don't think they want. And... Liv doesn't want to give into the PGA Tour and say, well, we, you guys can come and go as you please, because how does that work with your franchise concept? Doesn't. It doesn't work with the franchise concept. If you could just come and go as you please, what franchise owner is going to want to go, oh, well, my players can just go? What's the point? Do I just own intellectual property, the team name, and have to fund all of this stuff? Forget that. They kind of need to be at odds with one another. That's the only way this thing really works for either of them. At least right now. And maybe there's a middle road that I don't see, and I'm happy to acknowledge that. But I think they kind of have to fight, and they kind of have to be separate for the way they have architected each other to work. Does that mean having Greg Norman out of the room doesn't make things better? Uh, No, I mean, maybe it does. But I am not convinced that McIlroy is right on this one, that he has to go. But it seems kind of more like a dig of, if you love this thing so much, this thing that you've gotten off the ground, and you want it to be better, and you want it to get recognition, then you got to go. And uh, that's a, it's a weird thing to try to, to try to extract from a guy, and I, I don't think you're going to extract it from Norman. So as long as the Saudis say he's the CEO, Norman's the CEO. He's not going anywhere. All right, that's going to do it for us today on 2 the 1st Thank you so much for checking us out. We appreciate it. We have a show tomorrow, and uh, we'll have the start of tournament golf for the week, DP World Tour Championship in Dubai, CME Group Tour Championship in Florida, RSM Classic in Georgia. Not all that far separate from each other, but, you know, enough. So we've got three big tournaments for the week, and then that's really it. Then we get ready for silly season here in the United States with Match 7, Hero World Challenge, PNC Championship, The DP World Tour will kick off with doubleheaders in South Africa and Australia, which I'm so excited for. Again, can't wait to talk Australian Open, Aussie PGA Championship stuff. It's some of my favorite events of the year. So we'll still have plenty of that to talk about. Uh, We'll talk about schedules. We'll probably scale back the show a little bit to three days a week uh, once this week ends, but we'll talk about that come next week. Thank you so much for the pleasure of your time. Thanks for watching or listening, however you experience the show. You can get a hold of me, Ryan at the or Ryan Balling on Twitter. That's been two out the first. We will see you tomorrow.